The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your host, Adam Patrick. All right, welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, the official podcast for thevikingage.com. I'm your host, Adam Patrick. I'm the editor and lead writer for the Viking Age. Before we get started today, make sure to follow the Viking Age on Twitter and Facebook. The site's username on Twitter is at the Viking Age, and you can follow the site's Facebook page by heading to facebook.com slash the Viking Age. All right, on today's show, we've got Tyler Fornis. He covers the Vikings for climbingthepocket.com, so go check that out. And uh, welcome to the show, Tyler. Hey, I appreciate it, Adam. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to talk about our uh, favorite team. Yeah, for sure. All right. So Vikings training camp is literally right around the corner. Rookies will report on Sunday, the 25th, and then the rest of the team will report on Tuesday, the 27th. And then on Wednesday, the Vikings will have their first full practice of this year's training camp. So one player who is not expected to be on the field for the Vikings uh, at least during their first few camp practices, is defensive tackle Michael Pierce. Pierce is reportedly dealing with a calf injury that he suffered while training. And while he's expected to miss some practice time in camp, the injury is not expected to prevent him from being ready for the start of the season. So, Tyler, uh, what is your concern level for Pierce's injury? Is this something that people should actually worry about? Or should everyone just relax since he's expected to be fine by the start of the season? I think on a scale of one to 10, you need to put it at like a six or a seven because calf injuries are uh, one of those uh, soft tissue ones that can really hamper a player. And unlike a hamstring where if you have like a, like a slight irritation, you can kind of play through it. Calf injuries can be pretty, pretty debilitating. Like when you talk about major injuries to your Achilles, you get so much explosion out of your lower half and it comes from your feet and your lower leg. Like when that Achilles tears, a lot of guys don't really come back. Uh, fully for about a full year or two. And when you talk about the calf being attached to the Achilles, you want to make sure you baby it. Like you got to make sure he's a hundred percent before he goes back in, especially being a big boy. Michael Pierce weighs in that 320 to 340 pound range. And he's got to try and get a lot of explosion with that frame. And that puts a lot of pressure on both the calf and the Achilles. Plus, if you don't take care of that calf, it could become an Achilles injury. Make sure it's a hundred percent. It's not that big of a deal if he doesn't play a lot in the preseason or do a lot of training camp practices. Is it frustrating? Absolutely. We signed the guy at the beginning of the pandemic last year. He decided to opt out of the season, which his choice, I respect it. But at the end of the day, when it comes to just playing on the football field, it, it just feels frustrating because it's been 18 months he's been a member of the franchise. And we haven't seen him yet. Yeah, um, he's list, yeah, and he's listed at 340. That doesn't mean that he actually is... 340 he could be a little a mm-hmm. little bit more or even a little bit less 
Um, because in the he's had a history in the past. He was actually sent home by the Ravens, uh, I believe, in 2019 for poor conditioning because he just arrived to to mini camp or whatever, like significantly over uh, his listed weight. Um, and then, yeah, you're like like you said, it's a it's a soft tissue injury. We've we've seen these before with you know Stefan Diggs and even when Adam Thielen hurt his his hamstring. How and even Dalvin Cook, how you know one week you, they can feel like they are. 100% ready to go and then they get on the field and they're like uh no it's not this isn't this isn't ready and then they're out for another an additional you know more time so yeah they need to I feel like I agree with you they need to take their time with Pierce you know they've they've got a, a quite a ways before the season so they can ease him in it is disappointing because he has been I think he's had a lot of hype around him and it's, it's everyone's just like okay like can we just finally see this guy and it's taking even longer but luckily they signed Sheldon Richardson was, which is looking like a a very good move at this point. Uh, with Pierce already sitting out for a year, and this injury being one that can easily become a problem again, um, are you worried at all about this potentially turning into a a lingering issue for Pierce all year long? Depends how the Vikings handle it. Do they let Pierce come back before he's absolutely at that 100% threshold? If they do, this could be a really nagging injury throughout the course of the year. Like one of the things that you can relate it to, like hamstrings. Yep. Like remember Adam Thielen a couple years ago, yep. he injured it against the Lions, came back too early, re-aggravated within like three plays. Yep. You don't want to have that happen, especially when you're talking about the big boys because of that explosion factor and how much they have to generate with their just overall mass. Yep. Like you got to just make sure it's hundred percent. If he's projected to not have to worry about missing week one at this point, just shut him down, get him 110%. And then we won't, hopefully we won't have to worry about it throughout the rest of the year. And as much as the Vikings would like to have him, I think for the, the beginning of the season, I don't think it's a huge priority. If he has to miss a game or two here, just to make sure that he's okay for the rest of the year. Plus they have an, an extra game, well, not extra, but it is an additional game now, uh, 17 games. So they have to kind of account for that and make sure these guys can last all 17 games. And then if they want to get in the playoffs, that's even more time. So I think if, if he has to, if it comes down to him missing a couple games early in the season, I don't think it's as big of a deal as some people might make it out to be. Not that anyone would ever blow anything out of proportion. Um, but how long does Pierce have to be out in order for for you to think that the Vikings need to go looking for another interior defensive lineman in the free agent market, or do you think they should just stick with the guys that they already have no matter what? Uh, let's put it this way. If there are questions after the third preseason game that he's going to miss any time, I think when you do final cuts, you got to start looking for uh, somebody who can come in on a vet main kind of deal and who can come and help. Armand Watts has shown, shown some flashes. He hasn't been any kind of consistent. James Lynch is a pure effort guy. Like when you watch this film of Baylor, almost all of his stacks were coming from effort. He doesn't have any sort of athletic tool that gets you excited. And yeah, he was a good shot in the dark because effort guys can really do some damage on the interior of that defensive line, but it just wasn't meant to be. I don't expect him to make the team this year. Uh -huh. uh, and if uh, Michael Pierce is going to be out extended time, uh, I think you really need to look at bringing in a guy at least for the short term. So if he's not ready by the start of the season or he's still kind of iffy, then then yeah, try and see if who's who's getting cut, see if you can pick up any of those guys off the, the waiver wire. I like that. I like that. All right, so here's here's something interesting. Former Vikings kicker, 
Blair Walsh, uh, I don't know if you remember that guy, um, was recently on the Upon Further Review podcast, and he talked a bunch about his old team, specifically the Vikings offense. Uh, Here's some of what Walsh had to say about the potential of this year's Vikings offense. The Vikings have the offensive weapons to put up 35 to 40 points a game. They just do. So anytime they don't, it's kind of a disappointment. I think the offense has to be the real focal point of their team this year because they have the guys to do it. For them to have success, they need to utilize their offensive weapons and just rely on the fact that they can outscore their opponents. Do you agree with Walsh's comments that the Vikings have the talent to basically be the most explosive offense in the NFL next season? I wouldn't say most explosive, but I think uh, talking about top five in points per game is not out of the question. Uh, Kirk Cousins has shown himself to be a very efficient and effective deep ball thrower. Uh, you have an offensive line that hopefully will be improved as a whole unit. While I believe like the left tackle position is going to take a little bit of a regression because you can't expect a rookie to play better than what Riley Reek did in 2020. But the offensive line is more about the sum of the whole rather than the sum of one or two parts. The fact that Dakota Dozier is not projected to start Ezra Cleveland it has a year already on the inside, and he's going to be moving over to his natural left side. And hopefully Garrett Bradbury takes a step in year three. And that when it comes to centers, it, it takes them a little longer to really learn and develop, uh, especially on the fly. So if you can get the Vikings to stop uh, running on second and long, that Kirk Cousins to take more open shots down the field and be a little less tentative. I think you could easily see this team, uh, especially with the guys like Irv Smith Jr. and Tyler Conklin, ready to step up into bigger roles, uh, go for uh, 30 points a game. Yeah, I, I, I think they have the potential. I think the scheme of the Vikings is probably what will limit them from actually scoring that many points a game because Mike Zimmer wants to you know, drain the clock. Obviously, he would love to... Sp- He's not going to be like, no, I don't want to score a lot of points. But at the same time, he wants to make sure his defense has time to rest, which is why he likes to, to run the ball a lot. And they have Dalvin Cook, so he's, you know, pretty decent. Uh, Blair Walsh also said they need to let, speaking of Kirk Cousins, they need to let Kirk Cousins loose on offense. Uh, you know, their scheme needs to be throwing the ball around, mixing in screen plays to Dalvin Cook and letting him uh, run as well. They just can't be a heavy run-centric team anymore because they don't have that elite defense that they had for years, do you agree um, with his comments about letting Cousins loose? Do you think the Vikings should do that, or should they just stick to more of what they've been doing with him during the last two seasons? I don't think you can fully let Kirk Cousins loose the way that Blair Walsh is insinuating, and I think you can really point back to uh, the 2018 season when John Filippo was the offensive coordinator. Yeah. They put him back in shotgun, and that's just not Kirk's game, and that's okay. It doesn't have to be Kirk's game, you, and it's okay to understand that he has those limitations. But when he plays within the confines of this offense, he can be absolutely deadly. That you talk about the boot action, uh, the play action, and just letting Kirk Cousins do his thing uh, with the running game. Uh, him on the move is fantastic. That let let him be him, and you don't have to uh, amplify it in the fact that hey, we have to do this in the passing game. No, let Kirk play within the offense. I think the offense is absolutely perfect for the kind of quarterback he is. Yeah. Play calling just needs to improve and be, uh, I, I'm going to try and think of a proper way to say this, but analytics hate our play calling. 
And they have really good points because if it's second and 10 and you run the ball all the time, you're getting two to three yards. Well, you're putting yourself in a third and long yeah. consistently. It, the play calling needs to be a little smarter. And Kirk Cousins needs to be willing to take more risks down the field. Uh, he is a fantastic deep ball thrower. You could quantify him as a top five, top 10 deep ball passer in the National Football League. But there are too many opportunities where there are open throws that he doesn't take and he checks down. And if he can transition, like I'd say an average of one throw a game, you're talking 16 more shots down the field. You hit eight of them. You could uh, honestly consider that maybe one or two more wins for the Minnesota Vikings. That can make a massive difference for a football team that you have to let Kirk Cousins play within himself. Let Dalvin Cook be the anchor of your offense. Utilize Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. You have two pass-catching tight ends that can do some damage down the seam. Like Utilize your offense for what it is and don't just try to be, I want to just run the football. Right. If Clint Kubiak is actually given freedom to kind of run what he likes, he is uh, coached on, in an Eric Coriel system. He's coached under a wide zone. He has experience with all these different things, and if he can combine them into one offense that will let Kirk really amplify his successes, I would not be shocked to see the Vikings have a very successful year. Yeah, I'm curious to see what the younger Kubiak does because my my inkling or inc- and you know my feeling is that he's going to be a c- good combination of his father and then Kevin Stefanski, and that you know they're going to run the ball. But they're also he's going to mix in some of the maybe I don't know trickery or or just uh, rollouts that Stefanski likes to use, especially to you know the opposite side that he Kirk seems to do so well at. So I'm curious to see what the younger Kubiak does. Hopefully he's not you know bland. I feel like I felt like his father was a little bland towards the end of his career um, as far as some of the stuff he used to run. It, it was it still worked out well, but at for for defenses, some of the better defenses in the league, it was a, easier for them. I feel like to predict uh, what was coming. So it'd be nice to see his son kind of throw some different wrinkles in there and see if he can uh, trick some some defenses out there. So you wrote something over on climbing the pocket recently about the four biggest questions surrounding the 2021 Vikings. And in your piece, you mentioned how you you pretty much don't believe that the third wor- third wide receiver is as big a priority for the Vikings as some of their fans might think it should be. I agree with that. Uh, So does this mean that you think they're uh, that the Vikings will probably roll with Chad Beebe or, or someone else from the roster as their third receiver next season? Or do you think they should still consider bringing in a free agent like a DD Westbrook or a Larry Fitzgerald or someone else? I think they really should still consider bringing in more depth. Uh, I think, the usage of the third wide receiver is the aspect of it, Adam, that gets over amplified and that people get the most frustrated with. They just don't use a third wide receiver that often. I think I'm quoted in the piece saying that they only use a third wide receiver. I think it was like 29% of snaps. So the fact that it was only 29% of snaps, you're not asking that guy to play more than like three, 400 snaps in a season. And because of that, you don't need to have an elite talent there. And that's okay. Now, if Amir Smith-Marset or Chad Beebe, one, BB needs to stay healthy. Yeah. Two, if either of them can really step up and show that they can be a capable third wide receiver, I'm okay with that. But if they don't, you want to have more depth because uh, what happens if uh, Adam Thielen misses eight games? Yep. What happens if, uh, God forbid, Justin Jefferson tears his ACL on cut? Yep. Like You have to really understand that those things happen. 2016, the Vikings had no plan behind Teddy Bridgewater. 
and he goes down and then it was all panic. If that Jefferson or Thielen goes down, are we talking a full panic move by Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer because their jobs are on the line this year? Like there are so many different layers to this conversation and you have to have more talent in the room. Even if you don't plan on using that guy, having a DD Westbrook would be very valuable to your team because he can step up and be a capable wide receiver too for a few weeks while one of your guys uh, heals up from an injury. So yeah, absolutely. Like I think they did a great job of addressing it in the draft, especially with Kenny Wangwu. I think he's going to be a fantastic kick returner. Amir Smith Rosset has been a dynamite punt returner as well. So they a, address those positions while adding depth to the offense, which is fantastic. But if you don't have a more than capable wide receiver three on the roster and something happens, man, it, it's going to be a real struggle bus for this offense. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see how Amir Smith Marset does in camp. Um, I think he's really intriguing uh, to see how he progresses if he can be that guy, like if, if a Thielen or a Jefferson goes down, because I think that's that's the right viewpoint to take it from is, is depth-wise if one of those guys goes down. Because, no, they don't they don't utilize the third receiver in their offense really that much. And even, you know, because this year they'll probably even use it even less with, with Irv Smith becoming more of a, a an option in the passing game. Dalvin Cook still maintaining that, you know, ability as a receiver and even Tyler Conklin probably getting some more targets than he did in the past as well. So I still, I don't know. I'm still on the fence. I I don't care if they bring someone in or they don't, they have the cap space, which, so I don't, I wouldn't understand the hesitation to wait until you absolutely need one. If you have the space, why not bring someone in who maybe can, you know, fit in your offense or maybe have another role that can help you out. But, um, I don't know. I'm, I like, I like the, the perspective from getting adding someone for depth because we know they don't they're not going to really use a third receiver in their offense. But sticking with I mentioned D.D. Westbrook and Larry Fitzgerald, let's just say the Vikings are presented with the opportunity opportunity to sign both, and both would cost around a similar amount. Who do you think the Vikings would choose to sign between the two? <sighs> That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because the Wilfs were not owners when Larry Fitzgerald was a legacy ball boy for the 1998 season, I think it's going to be D.D. Westbrook. Yeah. You look back on Larry Fitzgerald last year, he averaged uh, like nine yards of catch. Yeah, it was not good. Yeah, No, yeah, we're talking Jarvis Landry numbers, and Larry Fitzgerald is 38 years old. He's been in the NFL since 2004. Yeah. Uh, he, was, he was a 20-year-old when he came into the NFL. Uh, and because he ended up going to a prep school for his senior year. So technically he was three years removed from high school uh, when he ended up coming to the NFL draft. That was kind of his loophole. So when you look at everything, D.D. Westbrook is just, he's a younger player. He's only had four years in the league. Yeah, he ran, I believe his 40 was like a 4.37. He's a burner. Uh, he can get open. He can create separation. He's not elite. He's not a hyper dynamic player, but you put him in the slot. You can put him outside as a Z and you can maneuver Thielen and Jefferson all across the the line of scrimmage. I think he would be a really good option at not only for depth, but maybe you'd start to see some more three wide receiver sets. So I think one of the things that we didn't talk about earlier with the three wide receiver sets, maybe part of why they didn't use them was because they never had one. Yeah. They haven't had a good wide receiver three since Maybe Stefan Diggs was wide receiver three his first couple games in the NFL. Right. Like it's been an area of major weakness for this team. And 
Uh, I think D.D. Westbrook would be the best fit of those two options. Yeah, and he's got he's already got that connection to the Vikings with their receivers coach, who's Keenan McCardo, and they work together in Jacksonville, so he's very familiar with what Westbrook can do. Um, I believe, did he just suffer a, was it a torn ACL last year? Is that what he uh, suffered? It was an ACL or an Achilles. I can't, I can't remember. Off the it was an ACL either last year or the year before. It was last year. Um, so that's, that's maybe, that's a little concerning, but at the same time, this is 2021 and mm-hmm. we've seen guys come off ACLs, Dalvin Cook, Adrian Peterson just look like monsters after they get their new, new ligaments. Um, so yeah, I, I would, I would go with D.D. Westbrook too. Obviously everyone likes the story of Larry Fitzgerald, the Minnesota, you know, guy finishing his career in Minnesota, um, maybe helping them win a, a Super Bowl, but he also loves being in Arizona and uh they love him too. I just saw something where it said if he's gonna come back to play, the Cardinals want him to play for them. So mm-hmm. and I don't think he really wants to to play anywhere else. Um so I think if between the two it'd probably probably be Westbrook. I agree with you there. All right, we'll get you out of here with this. Uh what do you think the Vikings biggest priority should be heading into their upcoming training camp so basically what are some of the most important things that you want them to figure out before the season i think it needs to be two things you need to uh figure out if darison y davis can start day one okay and you also need to figure out uh where cam dantzler is uh, for this upcoming year okay uh the expectation of having darison y davis start day one has been evident you Mm -hmm. talk to almost anyone and they're penciled in to be those guys. And uh, quite frankly, they probably should be considering where the rest of the uh, roster is at. But we also understand that this franchise loves them some Rashad Hill. <laughs> There's a reason they keep bringing him back. Mm-hmm. He's not great, no. but he's not bad. He's a very good swing tackle in the league. Don't be surprised if you see Rashad Hill starting at left tackle for the first few weeks while Darius kind of figures it out. And then Cam Dantzler, he had a really good year last year. He struggled early on, mm-hmm. and uh, he was always contesting balls, but he was just a little bit late. And I think uh, with a full Seattle. year, yep, a full year with the NFL <laughs> and him adjusting to the speed of the game, uh, I think Cam Dancer has a real chance to kind of develop into a possible CB one, which would be massive for this franchise. He's going to be working with Patrick Peterson, and you have Mackenzie Alexander coming back. Uh, Jeff Gladney is just MIA. And, and until we kind of figure out, I believe it's on Monday when he has a, yeah. his, uh, his indictment hearing. So we'll kind of start learning yeah. more uh, as that progresses as well. Like if Dantzler is not a guy that you can trust right away, Patrick Peterson starts immediately as your CB one. And maybe you have Mac Alexander as your CB two and bring him in for nickel. If he's progressing really Bashad really too. Yeah, Bashad Breeland too. Like uh, there is depth on this team. You don't have to force him out there anymore, like you did last year. Right. Uh, I want to see where he's at. I want to see how he's developed, how he's kind of figured it out, how he performs in training camp, and then make sure you're nurturing him and taking care of him, and not putting him in positions to fail in case he hasn't made that progression like we had hoped. Yeah, I, I've I've noticed. I've been watching whatever his Instagram videos or whatever. And it looks like he's bulked up at least a little bit. Um, during the off season, which is which is nice to see because I feel like that's all Mike Zimmer talked about last year was he's got to get bigger, he's got to get bigger, he's got to get bigger. Um, so yeah, I'm curious about that. I think I'm most curious about 
And it's really annoying being a Vikings fan. It's just the special teams with the kicker, mm -hmm. the returner. We got two inexperienced kickers. We got a, there's a rookie, and then there's a guy who's kicked 20 career field goals in his entire NFL career. And they're going to go in there with Mike Zimmer, you know, breathing fire down their neck if they miss a kick in the preseason. So I'm curious to see how that all goes. And then, of course, the returner, because that was a disaster last year as well. Um, and that's important for, especially for a team like Mike Zimmer's that depends a lot on field position. Um, I think part of the, the reason the defense struggled last year was because they were just starting a lot of times in their own territory. So they didn't really have a lot of space to work with. Mm -hmm. Um, they give up a play here and there and they're already, you know, back in their own red zone. So that, that's something I'm interested in. Uh, I think that's it. Maybe, maybe the backup quarterback, cause I, I, I think they're going to go with Kellen Mond, at least keep him on the roster, but I'm curious to see if they maybe try and keep someone else. But I think because I think the practice squad stuff still the same this year where they can, um, take two people off each week, uh, if they need to. So I think they might try and do that again with the quarterbacks this year, at least one of them. So we'll see with that. Um, but that's all I got for today. So thanks for coming on Tyler. Where can people follow you on Twitter? Absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the real Forno. Um, as uh, Adam mentioned earlier, I do write for climbing the pocket and I do a lot of kind of like a, a unique kind of deep dives. Like I, I just wrote a piece about the five uh, most uh, soul crushing moments in Vikings oh, history. Yes, I saw that, yeah. Yep. And uh, I did not mention the Gary Anderson kick. Uh, so I, yeah. I, I kind of took a little bit of a unique spin on that. I'm going to do a full, uh, preview on this team, uh, breaking it down by position. That'll start coming out in the next couple weeks after wife and I close on our house. Oh, nice. Um, you oh, can nice. also, if thank you. Uh, I also do some NFL draft work for both climbing the pocket and blue chip scouting. Mm -hmm. And if you're a professional wrestling fan, I write for the website voices of wrestling and I do, uh, mostly AEW in new Japan. Um, oh. So you can check me out there and uh, I've got a lot of stuff in the works uh, that I've been working on. So you saw, she saw Nick Gage in uh, AEW. Oh yeah. Uh -huh. uh, MDK baby. I am, I am excited. <laughs> Nick Gage versus Chris Jericho in a death match. What a time to be alive. I didn't find out about him until maybe a couple months ago when he was on dark side of the ring. Mm -hmm. Like I, I heard of him before all this stuff with David Arquette, but I didn't know the whole the whole backstory and everything and watching that i was like wow um, he's, a, he's a cult hero man he is he a is, cult hero he is he's he's very he's very fascinating to watch i'm interested to see how they do everything on like on tv like because it's, mm -hmm. it's a different it's a lot different than being in someone's backyard mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to wrestling and what you can do uh but thanks for coming on tyler uh make sure to follow this make sure to follow the Viking Age on Twitter and Facebook. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. But until next time, we will talk to you later. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.